Good evening, and welcome to the campfire. You made it. Now, come around and sit. That's right. Yes, warm your hands by the fire. You must be tired from your long journey through these ghastly woods. I'm so glad you made it back here. It's a night where we will be telling tales about trees unlike any you've heard. As we had such a wonderful time last year, we decided to do it again. After all, it is the season of Samhain, the thinning of the veil, the bleeding of the boundaries between summer and winter, the dead and the living, what has departed and what is yet to come. My name is Gory Robinson, and I'm your host of this evening's entertainment. Don't worry, I'll take care of you, all right? There's nothing to fear. Or is there? So, who would like to go first? Surely one of you brought a story to share around our campfire? Hmm? No? Hmm? We may have some brave souls help us tell a story as the night progresses, but for now, I have many tales to tell. There are more dark myths and legends about trees than I could share in one evening, spanning all over the world and dating back to the beginning of time. Intrigued? Good. Let's get started, and don't say I didn't warn you. Now, onward to our first story. Are you afraid of the dark? How about a dark, dark forest filled with many things you cannot see and do not want to? As long as stories have been told, the forests have called to people, luring them in. This is how many of Grimm's fairy tales begin, and it's no wonder. These cautionary tales are meant to teach children not to stray far from home and are often set in the Black Forest. If you've never seen it with your own eyes, the Black Forest is a forested mountain range in southwest Germany named for the dense firs, pines, and spruce, which create an almost impenetrable darkness. Legend has it the forest is haunted by werewolves, witches, a headless horseman, and the devil himself. It's easy to get caught in such a place. Poor, abandoned brother and sister Hansel and Gretel wander deeper and deeper into the dark forest to find food when they encounter a divinely tempting house made of gingerbread and candy, all meant to lure them to danger. Hansel and Gretel are the lucky ones who escaped and lived to tell the tale. Some others have not been so fortunate, such as those who encounter Der Grossmann, known as the Tall Man. This legend was created back in medieval Germany in the 16th through 18th century and states that Der Grossmann is a fairy who is incredibly tall and unbelievably thin, which allows him to hide behind the trees of the Black Forest. He uses his multiple upper limbs to capture and take his victims away. Now, his facial features, that's quite a mystery and the most horrible part. Some say that he has pearl-orbed eyes and a blank, featureless face. 
Others describe him to be faceless, but for a gruesome, large, and menacing smile. Parents would warn their children not to go into the woods late at night or to stay up too late, for if they disobeyed their parents, dear Grossman would take them away and they would disappear forever. How, you ask? Oh, dear Grossman has many, many ways. First, the children that do go to the forest late at night get chased by Der Grossman. The chase would only stop when the child returned home and confessed to their parents that they had strayed into the forest, disobeying their warnings. Other stories were told differently. Some say that Der Grossman lures children into the forest by haunting them, whispering voices in their heads to come follow him. Those that do are led to a fate unknown. It was also believed that even if a child simply stays up too late, Der Grossman will tap at their window and take them away too. Perhaps these stories were invented by guardians to scare little ones out of naughty behavior. Or perhaps we should take all these cautions seriously. If I were you, I'd think twice about walking deep into the dark, dense woods too late at night. This reminds me of another forest, not too far from the Black Forest. This one is in Ireland, land of the fairy tree. Imagine you've passed a row of lichen-covered stone walls to find an open, green field. There's a bit of dew on the grass, a bit of fog in the air, and that feeling that you just can't shake. It causes every hair on the back of your neck to stand on end. Are you being watched? You turn around and around, but no one is there, save for one lone tree. Is it an ash, you wonder? An oak? A hawthorn? Yes, that's it. A hawthorn standing alone in the landscape with white, sweet-smelling blossoms. In Irish lore, the hawthorn is a tree of enchantment and magic and is synonymous with the she, or fairies. A lone hawthorn tree standing in the middle of a field is a fairy tree, a tree that is the portal between our world and the world of the fairies, the wee folk. While we imagine tiny, supernatural beings glowing with light as their wings flutter, these fairies actually look much like humans, both in shape and often size, though sometimes they are smaller. They have magical powers and stay eternally young, but are wingless. They can either be benevolent or hostile to humans. So great is the Hawthorne's power that it is woven into hedgerows to protect communities from outside invaders. But don't get ahead of yourself. The fairies' magic is on their terms. It is said that bad luck will befall those who injure or cut down a fairy tree. Even cutting off one branch and bringing it into the home will cause misfortune. And that's not all. With great care and reverence, Irish farmers will go out of their way to work around a lone hawthorn tree in order to leave it undisturbed. They understand the hawthorn's strength and do not treat stories about the wee folk as fiction. 
Even so, in the early 20th century, a construction firm sought to remove a fairy tree that was standing alone in a field to make way for new buildings. The crew refused to remove the tree, and so a foreman recklessly went ahead and pulled it up himself. As he ripped the roots from the ground, hundreds of white mice, or perhaps fairies in disguise, shot out in warning. Nevertheless, the foreman continued, taking soil away from the tree in a wheelbarrow, until suddenly a horse became spooked and crushed him against a wall. No one could prove what scared the horse, but many believe it was the fairy tree. Oh, tree friends, people never learn. Money does not buy you power. Years later, in 1982, the chairman of the DeLorean car firm failed to heed the warnings of local workers and bulldozed a lone hawthorn tree himself to clear the way for the construction of his car plant near Belfast. By October, he was arrested for a drug scandal that ended his reputation and his company. The futuristic DeLorean car in Back to the Future became stuck in the past, now only living in lore. After this incident, people really began to take heed. An entire highway in Ireland was rerouted to avoid cutting down one sacred fairy tree in fear of its retribution. Beware those who underestimate trees, those who find them to be expendable or who recklessly cut them down. I'd keep my distance from those cursed folks if I were you. So far I've told you stories which take place in Europe. Now, let's extend farther across the world. Here are the stories of the Japanese tree spirits, the Kodama. If no tree has fallen in the forest, yet you hear the echoes of a fallen tree throughout a forest, mountain, or valley, what you are actually hearing are the cries of the cut-down Kodama, Japanese tree spirits. In ancient times, Kodama were said to be nature deities. Many believe that these spirits are nimble, able to move from tree to tree, forest to forest, and even mountain to mountain. They are said to take on the appearance of atmospheric ghost lights or of beasts, and there is even a story where Kodama falls in love with a human and so takes on the form of a human itself. More often, however, its outer appearance looks like any ordinary tree, but there is nothing ordinary about them. A tree must grow very old for its soul to transform into a Kodama. The tree and its spirit are intrinsically linked. If one is hurt or dies, the other cannot live on. That is why the knowledge of which trees have spirits living in them is passed down over generations so that the trees are protected by marking the Kodama with Shemeneva, lengths of laid rice straw or hemp rope used for ritual purification in the Shinto religion. Those who make the mistake of cutting down the Kodama, the linked spirit and the tree, without praying to them first, are cursed. What exactly happens if you wound a tree with a Kodama living in them? Legend has it that when the old trees are cut, thick blood oozes out. 
dripping down the bark. It looks like someone here is brave enough to share a story. Why, yes, it is Peril Mullings. Simply a tree lover or a mad arborist? Go on, what story are you dying to tell? Have you ever seen something that you just simply couldn't explain? Here is the story of the coastal ghost trees. Ghosts are some of the most popular characters of this season. From people dressing up to the spooky tales that are told late at night, they seem to be everywhere during this month. But have you ever heard of the ghost trees that a lucky few have been fortunate to see and live to tell the tale? The Coast Redwood is known for being one of the largest and tallest trees on Earth and is found on the Pacific coast of the United States. Yet, it has a secret mystery that very few have ever seen. Imagine this magnificent redwood, but with white needles, as though it were spray painted. This rare sight is called the albino redwood. Known as a delayed mutation, or simply a deficiency of chlorophyll, these trees' needles lack green pigment. Without chlorophyll, albino redwoods are not able to make food via light from photosynthesis. In order to survive, the ghost trees take advantage of their shared root systems and siphon off nutrients from nearby healthy redwoods. So, I wonder, are they ghosts or vampires? What causes this phenomenon, you may ask? While it is not known for sure, some scientists propose UV light exposure or perhaps too much human interaction. Alas, we can love a tree to death. And one eager scientist surmises that the answer lies in the tree-symbiotic relationship. The albino needles are saturated with a deadly cocktail of cadmium, copper, and nickel. In short, the ghost trees are sucking heavy metals from the ground and saving their brethren from this poison in exchange for the sugar they need to survive. These phantom trees need to be protected by both scientists and tree lovers, for well-meaning humans may inadvertently trample their roots, breaking the connection from tree to tree, as well as their ability to pump water. The ghost trees of the forest are clinging to life, eternally ephemeral as they struggle for existence. Can we learn enough to save them in time? That remains a mystery. So, very few have seen these ghostly trees. The lucky ones have quite a frightful tale to tell. Thank you, Peril. You've given us much to think about. Here's a story for the skeptics, realists, and history lovers. The Tale of the Terrifying Tulip Tree 
Maybe it doesn't sound scary, but this one might make you lose your head. I take you now to 1790 to a Dutch settlement, a small glen in Terrytown, New York, otherwise known as Sleepy Hollow. This is where an unfortunate rider mounted his horse, but never arrived at his destination. Perhaps you've heard about poor Ichabod Crane and his final ride? Even before he meets the terrifying Headless Horseman, his fateful journey turns ghostly when he comes across a tree. Not just any tree, though. Washington Irving tells us through Ichabod Crane's narrative, All of the stories of ghosts and goblins that he had heard in the afternoon now came crowding upon his recollection. The night grew darker and darker. The stars seemed to sink deeper in the sky, and driving clouds occasionally hid them from his sight. He had never felt so lonely and dismal. He was, moreover, approaching the very place where many of the scenes of the ghost stories had been laid. In the center of the road stood an enormous tulip tree, which towered like a giant above all the other trees of the neighborhood and formed a kind of landmark. Its limbs were gnarled and fantastic, large enough to form trunks for ordinary trees, twisting down almost to the earth and rising again into the air. It was connected with the tragical story of the unfortunate Andre, who had been taken prisoner hard by, and was universally known by the name of Major Andre's Tree. The common people regarded it with a mixture of respect and superstition. Partly out of sympathy for the fate of its ill-starred namesake, and partly from the tales of strange sights and doleful lamentations told concerning it. The remainder of Ichabod's tragic and terrifying ride is well known, but perhaps you do not know about Major Andre. Major John Andre was the head of the Secret Service in the British Army during the American Revolutionary War. He was hanged as a spy by the Continental Army for assisting Benedict Arnold's attempted surrender of the fort at West Point, New York, to the British. Andre's capture and hanging both occurred at this foreboding tulip tree, which stood in the middle of the road at the Sleepy Hollow Terrytown line. A towering, enormous tree said to be 10 paces round and 111 feet high, it is associated with misfortune, loneliness, and lamentations. Andre garnered so much sympathy that it is said that this spot was consecrated by thousands of tears. The imposing, otherworldly tulip tree was struck by lightning and destroyed in 1801. Even so, the legends live on. Maybe it's because Irving's gothic story is so captivating. Maybe it's because the sounds of wailing and lamentations can still be heard at these crossroads. Or perhaps it is because no one knows what happened to Ichabod Crane or the Headless Horseman. Perhaps they will ride again, maybe tonight. I'd be careful as you head home this evening. And if you hear galloping horses, fly as fast as your feet can take you. <laughs> Trees are mysterious. They are powerful. Oh, you still don't believe me? Well then, 
you underestimate the strength of a tree. So I will share with you the darkest, most horrible story of them all. Here is the tale of the secretive Salem tree. Surely you've heard about the witch trials in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692. Well, the spirit of superstition lives on there. Many years ago, a young woman wound her way to the historic haunted town with a little camera in hand. Not the kinds we have now on our phones. This was an older, second-hand manual piece. The kind where you wind the film in it and develop it later without knowing how it will look, all the while hoping you've completely captured the essence of the image. She arrived at her destination in Salem, Massachusetts, just blocks from the sea, a dark red house with many windows. It may look like any other house, but it was the birthplace of author Nathaniel Hawthorne, who wrote The Scarlet Letter and The House of the Seven Gables. The young woman had time before the tour began and wandered the property. The trees were large and daunting, towering above one's head with twisted, elaborate branches. She was drawn by the intense energy of a particular tree with a different kind of energy than one she'd ever felt before. The energy grew and grew until she arrived at its source, one tree that stood a bit far off but overlooked the rest. It was larger than the others, with an enormous trunk, thick, dense branches. Looking up, the tree's canopy created a web, blocking out the whole sky. What a perfect image, she thought. A fantastic photograph. She readied her camera and looked up for the perfect angle. Then she felt it. Do, Do not, not be foolish. Do, Do not, not proceed. proceed. It was the tree. While the words were not said aloud, she sensed them as clear as can be, echoing in her chest. She dismissed it. That's silly, she thought. You're just spooking yourself. She raised the camera again. Little girl. The energy echoed through her ribs. This is not for you. You cannot have it. She replied in her mind. It's just a picture. It won't harm you. I'll just take three pictures and leave. As she raised her camera and moved her finger to the button, she heard faintly, Such hubris. Days later, and now very far from Salem, she picked up the developed photographs, eager to see the results. She went one by one through the images of that day. The rough harbor, the red-bricked and wooden historic homes, blossoming flowers in the spring sun, all the while anticipating the three photos of the powerful tree. Just when she came upon the anticipated three photos, she instead held in her hand blank, black photos. That can't be right, she thought. She went through the photos again. Three black photos. The tree was nowhere to be found. So, I ask you, was it a mistake? A simple technical error? Or was the power of the tree stronger than the foolish woman and her camera? Perhaps it is a cautionary tale to look with your eyes 
and stop trying to hold on to that which isn't yours. The thought of it all still haunts her to this day. I still look at the black photos and wonder. Oh, I'm sure you've guessed it. The young woman was me. Since that day, I have never doubted the strength of a tree, never dared to walk deep into the dark, dense woods at night, and never, ever dismissed the messages of a tree. From someone who knows, I advise you to do the same. Our fire is nothing but embers now, and so it is time to depart. As promised, I've told you curious, mysterious, and unsettling tree tales. What's that? Are any of them really true, you ask? <laughs> Perhaps you'll find out. The next time you hear the scratching of branches on the window, or the wind howling through the leaves, beware of who or what is hiding just out of sight. Until next time, tree friends. If you've stayed with us this far, tree friends, you are very brave indeed. Find us on Instagram at Tree Speech Podcast or treespeechpodcast.com. This is also where you can find our show notes and learn more about our featured trees if it doesn't keep you up all night. Please like us on social media and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or you will be cursed and we will haunt you for the rest of your days. This week's episode was recorded and produced in Massachusetts on the native lands of the Wabanaki Confederacy, Penacook, Massachusetts, and Pawtucket people, as well as in New York on the lands of the Lenape tribes. Special thanks to actor and arboreal lover Cheryl Mullings for sharing her story about the ghost trees, and actor, educator, and dialect coach Charles Linshaw for his reading of the excerpt of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and graphic design firm Mill Riot for our special Halloween logo. Tree Speech is produced and co-written by Jonathan Seltner for the Light Theatre Guild. Happy Halloween and Samhain. Stay spooky and thanks for joining Tree Speech today.